Ignite your life with passion and purpose. Your health, your wealth, your happiness. Make it good. This is Modern Love with Dr. Brenda Wade. A big thank you to Rainbow Grocery, our favorite grocery store here in the San Francisco Bay Area, for being our sponsor, because a healthy body is a sexy body. Oh, sexy, sexy. We're all about that here at Modern Love Radio, because believe it or not, being sexy means you have unleashed your energy and your power. And today's guest is Dr. Catherine Athens. And her mission is to unlock our power, to encourage everyone to realize that our power lives within us. And we can engage that power, engage our imagination, and engage our will to take command of our own lives and also to reach our full potential. And her secret is that you have to know your own truth. So more about Dr. Catherine Athens in just a minute. But first, I want to tell you some exciting news. Here at Modern Love Radio, we also have Modern Love Training because we know that love is the glue that holds everything together. And we want you to go to our website right now, www.drbrendawade.com, or go to Eventbrite because you're going to have the first opportunity to get a ticket for our newest training, Breaking Free. And Breaking Free is a full-day training on Saturday, June the 15th from 10 a.m. to 6 p.m., a full day where you'll discover the seven powerful secrets to create your best health, love, and prosperity. And what's the first secret? I'm going to give it to you right now. It's that you have to identify and heal your invisible wounds. Now, invisible wounds are experiences that get locked in our brain that actually create brain patterns. And you all know I started out in neuroscience, and so I always look first at the brain. We're going to find those patterns, and we actually are going to do the work to transform them. So you stop repeating those behaviors that lead to struggles with your health, repeated breakdowns in your love life, or financial struggles over and over. Yes, you can do it. I want you to join us. We have a very special guest who will be with us. We'll tell you more about that later. And just go to Eventbrite and grab your ticket. Bring a friend so you have a wing person to talk to. Now let's get to our Ask Dr. Brenda question. It says, Dear Dr. Brenda, I'm a recently divorced woman who's just started dating again after a two-year hiatus. Although the divorce was extremely painful, I found myself communicating with my ex-husband who has tried to reach out and do his best to remain a friend. We had, we had dinner a few nights ago, and he confessed he'd made a terrible mistake divorcing me. I'm still in love with him, but also angry at what he put me through. He wants to date. All this is confusing, and now I'm wondering what I should do. I don't want to be hurt again. Any suggestions? Okay, suggestions? Yes, I have one for you. If your husband 
really feels he's made a mistake and he's serious about not making it again, the two of you get to a highly skilled and experienced relationship therapist or coach before you take one step into trusting this person who has broken your trust, feeling sorry, he may be feeling lonely, he may be feeling horny, he may feel like, oh, my God, she's so much better than anyone I found out here so far. Whatever it is, remorse is not enough. In order to build a healthy relationship out of the ashes of one that didn't work, you have to transform your invisible wounds, and he has to transform his. So that's my suggestion. Now let me tell you more about Dr. Catherine Athens. She is a teacher of metaphysics and a life coach. She has practices in Los Altos and Los Angeles, California, with clients across the globe. She has a California-based radio talk show, is a frequent guest at events around the world, and a moving and dynamic speaker. She's presented and taught at the Global Peace Initiative of Women in Geneva, Switzerland, a conference that was inspired by the Millennium Global Peace Summit of the United Nations. She's an impressive person, the recipient of the President's Special Humanitarian Service Award, and her book, some of you may know her books, are Make Your Dreams Come True Now, The Heart, Brain, and Truth and Consequences, and many more. Welcome, Dr. Catherine. So happy to have you with us. Thank you so much, and it's my pleasure to be with all of you. I'm very honored. Well, the honor is ours because what you've been up to is so amazing because you're one of those people on the planet I call a true transformation agent. Now, tell us a little bit about how you got into this kind of work. What's your story? Wow, it's a, it's a long one, but I will shorten it. I was uh, scheduled to be a physicist because I love science and I was good in science. And when I got to college and took my first big physics class, I was as bored as could be. Finally, I... (laughs) I laugh only because I was on the same path. That's hilarious. (laughs) I know. I think we have similar paths. Uh, I spent, I think, the second day I got up, I told the professor, I don't know what you're teaching, but this is not my physics, and I walked out. Ooh. Now, what led you to fall in love with physics? How did you get there? What was your family like? I'm curious about you. I wasn't in love with physics, but I really was in love with science, the true science of knowing, Mm -hmm. the true science of observing, and then making hypotheses, and then testing those hypotheses. To me, that was just the greatest thing. And then dreaming and thinking, and I spent a lot of time in my childhood, up in the, the family walnut tree with my brother's homemade radio, little transistor radio, plugged into the tree for uh, an aerial. And <laughs> I, would, I would dream, uh, look out at the clouds in the sky, and I would have all kinds of interesting thoughts about the way the universe is made. Hmm. And the way so we're you were what we call a dreamy kid a dreamy kid and so many parents i just have to say this in support of dreamy kids 
so many parents get frustrated when they have a dreamy child. They're like, what, are, what is this child going to do? I can't get them to do their regular homework or something like that. And it's the dreamy child who's often preparing to do exactly what you've done, make a difference in the world in yes, a creative it way. it wasn't what I started to do. Uh, my goal was to be a fairly wealthy wife, and I had a piece a ranch in Malibu Canyon in Los Angeles picked out, and I was going to have enough kids to have a football team and oh a baseball gosh. team, and we were going to play all day long, day in and day out, and just have fun. Well, those were the kinds of dreams <laughs> that girls were supposed to dream. You're well, supposed to dream of a home and a family and a marriage. So for you, you clearly had something else that came into, I'm not sure how to say it, your path, your trajectory. What was it that shifted all that for you? Well, uh, I was going to be murdered at Berkeley, so I came back to a community college, and I ran into people. Now, in the what do you mean you were going to be murdered? Well, I was an uh, uh, anti-war protester for the Vietnam War. Oh, I see. And people didn't okay. like that. Mm-hmm. I was very peaceful, and uh, but I was very clear that it was wrong to kill people. Mm-hmm. And so I came back to a cute little community college. Now I'm sure it's huge, but it was huge then. And it was originally an agricultural school. It was called Pierce College of Agriculture. Mm-hmm. They actually had uh, places for people to live. And it was a wonderful place. I used to go and talk to the pigs and the cows all the time. And uh, one of my friends was in the psychology club and basically told me that you should come to one of our interactions. I think you would like it. And I wasn't really interested in that. Now, what is an interaction? It's kind of like a loose group therapy where the group runs itself. Oh, I see. Mm-hmm. So there's nobody there to run the group. Everybody there just kind of digs into whatever's going on. Right, and everybody runs the group. Nobody but everybody. Mm-hmm. And that was interesting, and I found I really loved everybody. I realized it wasn't anybody I didn't like. And then uh, because I, I decided I was going to be an uh, anthropology major, I decided I was going to be an archaeologist because I had gone on digs. And I love to dig in the dirt as a kid. So you went from, okay, now we've got a little girl with a ham radio up in a tree. We've got you digging archaeology, talking to pigs and cows, Mm -hmm. being a a war protester back in the day when it was quite dangerous because those protesters were being hunted down by the CIA and the FBI because that wasn't allowed in America at that time. And and then you end up going off to become a physicist and walking out. So you've got what we call a checkered past. How lovely. So where did you go after all that? What happened after you left that physics class? Well, I was in anthropology, and then I was in psychology. Then I decided, no, no, I love medicine, so I'm going to switch to pre-med. And then the university got a hold of me because I was taking too long, and they said, pick a major because next 
quarter we're kicking you out whether you're Ooh. done or not because you've been here far too long. Right, and so you grabbed the first thing, and what was it? Well, I, I was a double major for anthropology and psychology, but I never lost my love of medicine. Mm-hmm. And I found I had a really a good love of medicine, plus I was very good in biology. I was very... I understood the way the human body works. So all of this combined to bring you to who you are today. Now, how did you come up with this idea, this really powerful idea of discovering your truth? Because it sounds like you were on a path that took you many different directions to finding your truth. How did you arrive at that? Actually, I always... When I was a little girl walking to grammar school and back, my question was, what was there before there was a universe? And that's what I would contemplate from the age of about six years old. Mm. And it was and a what very was the in- answer you came up with? Well, I didn't come up with it till I was in my 30s. Okay. And it suddenly dawned on me there was another universe. Like, duh. You know, uh, but I had always uh, had a lot of compassion for people. I was very large. I was very tall as a kid. I was relaying this the other day when I was in the first grade and there was a bully trying to bully one of the young little men. He was a, a shrimpy guy. I went over. I took the bully away from him, and I held the bully by the head until they could call the teacher. And I remember the bully trying to slug me, but I was uh, head and shoulders above him. So, Oh, my goodness. Good for but, you. So now what is it when you say, I've taken all these paths, anthropology, psychology, medicine, physics, reflecting on what was there before the universe, what was it that brought you to this idea of knowing your truth. What do you mean by that? Well, you know, Socrates said, know yourself. Mm -hmm. And he wasn't talking about a casual relationship. Know thyself. And within the self is wisdom. And then the Greek word for perfect is already complete. So I began to realize that everyone is already complete, but we have fallen asleep. And we've fallen asleep to our grandeur. And uh, I've always been interested in learning more and always interested in learning about, quote-unquote, the truth. Now, when you say we're already complete, I know there are a lot of people going complete, but I have all these these problems or I have all these things I want to solve, what would you say to them in terms of already being complete? What I would say to them is that they're not looking deep enough within themselves to see the light and the beauty in them. And I would say to them that a lot of these, quote-unquote, problems are actually uh, programming of a negative nature that they are carrying either from a relative or a friend or 
from some other institution, and that when they were very young, they had made decisions about who they were that were not correct. And this I call lies. And yeah, and you know, I call them invisible wounds because, as you know, they actually change the brain. Well, they so you say the lies, invisible wounds, whatever we call it, how do you determine what, you one, de- what someone's... You determine that by, by asking, is this gentle, is this kind, does this make me feel better? If it doesn't make you feel better, it's a lie. Aha. Uh-huh. So if you have a thought that doesn't feel gentle or kind, make you feel better, then it's a lie. Now, a lot of people say, yes, but this is how I motivate myself. You know, I have to be hard on myself. Well, I'm writing a book right now uh, based on I took a second doctorate, which you'll understand. I'm glutton for punishment. But <laughs> I like school. And did a uh, doctorate on the sadomasochistic personality disorder, and I'm now writing a book about the other side of torture. Now, when you say sadomasochistic personality, and you responded by saying that when I talked about people who are hard on themselves, are those the sadomasochistic people, people who are hard on themselves, who have mean thoughts about themselves and then say it's justified? Most of us in this country are sadomasochistic in some way. Wow. So sadomasochistic and are hurting ourselves. Exactly. That's sad. So what does this have to do with how people communicate with one another? Because here at Modern Love, that's a very big topic for us, how people treat themselves leading to how they treat others. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, We learn to ignore others. We learn to ignore ourselves. And we learn to numb ourselves so we don't have to feel And then we learn to avoid ourselves, which then leads us to a very veneer, shallow kind of life. Mm. And then we begin to wonder, gee, I'm not happy. I'm not satisfied. What's going on? And what's going on is what you're talking about, these wounds that have started from... They can start in the womb. Now, when you say ignore ourselves, you're saying that we're not taking the time to look into who we are and why we are where we are. And you're right, of course, uh, those who wonder about this, there's lots of research that what happens in the womb is critical to later development. And, of course, we are all about improving our relationships here. How does improving your skill set, aid in having a healthy relationship? Because you talk a lot about skill sets. Well, I teach people to learn to come into their heart and learn to not be afraid of what the heart has to say to them and learn to accept that. And I will tell you, Dr. Brenda, 
people uh, shy away from good feelings like crazy. People are uh, acclimatized to feeling bad, bad about themselves. It's become the norm, and people who want to feel good about themselves, people who want to do good, have become the rarity, the oddball, that there's something wrong with that person. Hmm. Hmm. So So it is important, though, for people to really do this deeper work. So what would you say is the first step in improving your skill set so that you can create a better relationship? The first step is to sit down and do, do a breath meditation. And instead of watching your breath, feel your breath and bring your breath all the way down to your feet, all the way up through what I call your buddhic chakra, which is the eighth chakra, and back, and just slowly begin to feel your body. Let yourself feel your body. And then let yourself begin to talk to your body and say, okay, body, I haven't talked to you in a long time, but I want to know how you're doing. What, what you're feeling I want to learn about you and I am willing willingness is a huge quality and then allowing is a second huge quality for yourself to feel now in that process I had people put their hand on their heart and feel the heart and ask the heart heart How are you doing today? Now, you have emphasized the importance of the heart. And for those who don't know, of course, the heart is a brain. Can you say a little more about the importance of the heart brain? I can say that when we were first conceived in the womb, we were all hearts. That the brain grew from the heart, not the opposite way. Yes. That the heart has the job of going through the body systems and regulating the body systems and taking a look at how they are balanced or not balanced. The heart will then gather that information, and if the person is upset, angry, whatever, the heart won't release that information to the brain and the head. It will hold it. Sometimes it will go up, the vagus nerve, up into the old brain, and the old brain will say, oh, this person doesn't want to know, and it will hold it in the unconscious. Sometimes it gets up to the thalamus, which is a gland kind of at the back, flat part of the head, and then the thalamus will make a decision, oh, they don't want to know, or they do want to know. You know, we have this thing that cancer struck me, struck me down. No, it didn't. Cancer takes 20 to 40 years to develop in the body. It's a lot of systems have gone awry because of self-hatred, anger, holding on. So what you're saying is that our emotional state driven by our thoughts can create illness, and of course it can wreak havoc in a relationship. I wish we had more time. Could you answer just one more question for us. How does self-esteem, self-love play a role in relationships? And how does that relate to the heart? Well, self-love 
is everything. If you love, I'm not talking about narcissists, a narcissist because they don't love themselves. They've fallen in love with their shadow, with their reflection. But self-love is love of yourself as a universal being, as the being of all the universe, to love yourself, to understand what you're a part of, something that is miraculous and inexplicable, and that you, each of you, are a part of that. And to search out that part in yourself to begin to say, I'm willing to love myself. I'm willing to learn to love myself. I'm willing to be okay with myself. That's a first step as well. And then sitting, doing the breathing, feeling yourself. Yeah, and you know, I have found that most people can fast track what you just said to learn to love themselves by saying, hey, what happened that I don't love myself? Because the minute you can unlock that, I think it kind of dislodges the old belief. So I'd like to just tag that in. And Dr. Catherine, the last question really quickly, can you give us an example of an important skill for those in our modern love community who are seeking love? Listen and acknowledge. Acknowledgement is not agreement. Acknowledgement is got you, great, wonderful. Listening and acknowledging are the uh, number one thing another needs. Another needs, another to acknowledge. So we have to leave it there, but all of this adds up to knowing your truth. And the truth that you just mentioned that I think is so beautiful, we want to underline, is that everyone, everyone, modern lovers, is a beautiful, lovable, and what was that word you used, Dr. Catherine? I believe you said a magical being. Well, everyone is. Everyone is magical. The universe is magical. And that's a great way to approach life. And big, huge thank you to Dr. Catherine Athens for being with us today and sharing your wisdom so we can all find that deep truth of who we are. Because when you love yourself, it is so much easier to love someone else and to allow them to love you. And be sure you mark your calendar and get the to Eventbrite and grab your ticket for seven powerful secrets to create your best health, love, and prosperity so that you can heal those invisible wounds that form patterns in your brain and, yes, your heart, that get in the way of your health, your love, even your prosperity. And that title, again, is Breaking Free. That's Saturday, June 15th. I'll see you right here in our Modern Love Training Center. Many blessings to you, modern lovers. Big thank you to Cliff Dunning, our social producer, LeGrand Green, our executive producer. See you next time. 